Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Bonnie D. in the house. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. This is one of our longest-running SAP Game Changers shows. Happy to be here. I think we're in Season 8 already, looking forward to next year. We have a very interesting topic for all of you, a little bit different. We've invited back some guests from May of 2020, talking about a hot topic, Business Network Insights. And now we're calling this tomorrow's Competitive Differentiator. Let me give my opening, my usual opening monologue, and then we will have our guests introduce themselves. You can all smile. We're recording the video, and I have full disclaimer, I'm on Zoom, and I get to see, i just tell you who they are. We have Falk Rieker from SAP, we have Bernard Ritz from Palteri, and Noel Billingsley from Palteri also. And they're going to tell you all about who they are in a minute. So I have a buzz quote from Palteri.com. Aren't I clever? Listen up, everybody. This will set the stage. Why doesn't a company know that a target customer has connections to an existing customer? Hmm. Why doesn't it automatically see that a new customer may be involved with a company that engaged in fraudulent activities? There are so many good reasons to know your business relationships and integrate this knowledge into processes in a standardized way. Countless pieces of information are publicly available but not intelligently linked and easily retrievable. And that's an insight to what we're talking about today. So let me give you a little more information. The ecosystem of businesses and people that surrounds your organization. Now I'm talking to companies all over the world. We're live on Voice America, the business channel, and we know that you are listening to us in about 500 U.S. states, regions, countries around the world. So we're talking to all of you in business, whether you own the business, you're a leader, you're starting a business, this is important. Let me start again. The ecosystem of businesses and people that surrounds your organization is full of hidden potential as well as harm. I say that in a lower voice. The ability to successfully navigate in this ever more complex environment requires a revolution in data-driven insights. And you know, we always talk about data on this show. You now need more than ever to transform your data with contextual insights into applicable knowledge that uncovers hidden opportunity as well as risk. That's what we're talking about. Why? Because knowledge gained from business network insights drives an evolution in customer acquisition. That's what you want. And customer retention. You want that even more by enabling high value, relevant customer interactions. And understanding the dynamics of an interconnected business ecosystem will expand your capabilities in risk mitigation. Good news. That's what we're all about. Good news. Innovative knowledge graph solutions. Powering today's AI deliver the contextual understanding your business needs to be competitive in tomorrow's connected world. And tomorrow's connected world starts at the end of this sentence because it's now today and in a, in a couple of seconds, we're looking into the future. So again, we have Bernard Ritz and Noah Billingsley at Palter. I wave again, hello, and Falk Rieker at SAP. I'm going to ask them, I expect them to share their insights on thriving in today's challenging global marketplace. And the title again of this episode is Business Network Insights, Tomorrow's Competitive Differentiator. Again, Bonnie D in the house, happy to be here. Let's go around the table and get some introductions. Bernard Ritz, I'm putting you on speaker view. Kindly introduce, reintroduce yourself. People may not... 
I don't know why somebody wouldn't you remember you from May 2020, Bernard. It's like nothing yep. has happened in the past year and a half. <laughs> no, nothing would distract anybody. Oh, I Very know. quiet time. I agree. Very quiet time. But please, in the midst of, of a quiet time, would you please reintroduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about what Palteri does and why are you excited to be here today? Bernard, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me back. I'm Bernard Ritz. I'm the regional president for Palteri here in, in North America responsible for launching and, and growing the, the Palteri business here in the States. Um, I'm with the company now for around two years, uh, spent over 20 years at, at SAP before that. So you can imagine big shift from a 100,000 people company to a 50 people company. Very exciting, very fast pace, which is great. Um, my background is all around business development. So unlocking new markets, launching new solutions, incubating new go-to-market channels. And uh, why I'm passionate about this topic is actually exactly why, uh, the way you described it, right? It's a new dimension of insights. It's a new understanding, contextual understanding of business partners, of customers, of suppliers, and the type of information that you gain to unlock new opportunities or to identify risk is, is, is just amazing. And this is what Padro is all about. It's all about creating, delivering hidden insights, business network insights that are only visible because you understand the network. If you don't know the network, you wouldn't be able to find these insights. Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for the overview, Bernard, and welcome back. Noel, we'd love to hear from you. Same thing, year and a half. Oh, everybody remembers you. Nothing's been going on. They've just been waiting for you to come back on the show. Noel, give us a reintroduction, please. We already know about Palteri. Tell us about you. What have you been up to? And what's your passion for the topic? Noel Billingsley, welcome back. Well, thank you, Bonnie. I, I re was really looking forward to the opportunity to come back again here, as, as so were all your listeners, I'm sure. Um, yeah, Noel Billingsley, I run operations here for Palteri North America. Um, you know, I, I help Palteri in every way that an operations person can, from helping improve our product, localizing the product, making sure everything runs smoothly, but most importantly, making sure that our clients get the seamless delivery that they expect from a, a service organization like ours at Palteri. Um, after 17 years in finance uh, and a stint in entrepreneurship, <laughs> What drew me to Palteri was the was the contextual understanding that a solution like this provides um, in the financial services industry. Um, spending 17 years in, in, in financial planning, or as, as a commercial lender in a small bank, large bank, so on, the contextual understanding that 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 our solution provides is something that's that's always been missed. We can look at data many different ways. We can try to understand our client. It's very well defined in the financial services marketplace, but there's so much more out there. And that's what uh, a solution like ours and others bring to the table. And that's why I was so intrigued by, uh, by Palteri and Bernhard when they entered the US market uh, a little over two years ago now. Thank you very much. Happy to have you back. It, it's all about context, isn't it? There, there are ads on radio and TV now where somebody says, we have to have a consistent approach. And the ad leaves me sitting here saying, consistent approach to what? What's the context? What, what, is the, what is the box around the approach? What needs to be consistent? What parts of those tentacles of whatever they're talking about would matter to me? I'll tell you after the show whose commercial it is and you'll get a kick out of this. So thank you very much. Falk Rieker, we're so happy to have you here. You were on a show with me a while ago, not the first part of this topic with these gentlemen, and we reached out to you and you said, sure, I'd love to come on. So Falk, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners and what's your passion for this topic? Welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. 
Uh, I'm uh, uh, the global head of the industry business unit for banking and capital markets at SAP. Uh, in my role, uh, I'm in charge of our go-to-market and business development activities all around the world with our most important customers. So if you want, uh, I'm, be I'm the bridge between our sales organization and our development organization. Uh, I identify areas where we want to invest, where we want to partner, um, or where we want to uh, where we want to build things. And uh, as such, obviously, I'm very close to all the uh, topics that are top of mind of our customers. Uh, my passion for data, I think that goes way back uh, to my early days, even to my days when I was a kid. I always liked to work with data. I became then a banker, uh, started my career for a couple of years in banking before I joined then uh, the IT side uh, and came to SAP. And data was always instrumental, business insight. Uh, without business insight, you cannot drive in the right direction. Very, very true. Thank you very much, Falken. Nice to have you back. I'll just give a heads up to all three of you. I'm considered an early woman in tech. I was a programmer analyst back in the day when you did the analysis and you did the coding. Back in the day when we were using key punch machines to enter our code and when you had to stand on a step stool to put a disk pack into a disk drive, which was up on, mounted up on this great big machine and you had to drop it in from the top. I appreciate what you're all saying and it is about data. Think about me writing 2000 lines of code for an information system for a community college where we had the data and what were we going to do with it? What were we going to glean from it? What was it going to mean to the organization? So data, data, data and insights, very, very interesting topic. Thank you all for your introductions and now it's time for our opening quotes. If you are a new listener to the show, you may not know that I always ask my guests for a quote from a fictional character, movie or TV, or a song lyric that has nothing to do with business, nothing to do with our topic, and ask them in their own words to please relate the quote to our topic, and we get to hear more about how they think. So Bernard Ritz, you're up first, and you have sent us an iconic quote with a little bit of Latin in it, and this is from Professor John Keating, played by, and boy, did he leave us too soon, Robin Williams. What a what an actor, what a comedian. The movie is Dead Poets Society, 1989. Maverick English teacher John Keating inspired a class of male students at a fictional, exclusive all-male prep school to seize the day, carpe diem, and follow their dreams as unique individuals of value. And here's the exact quote. Carpe diem, seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. Bernard, I get chills when I hear this quote. Tell me, how did you find this one and what does it mean for our topic? Go ahead. Well, it, it's a quote that, that follows me for, for 25 plus years. What's interesting about it, right? It's, it's, it's hundreds of years old. At the same time, it, it shows up in all kinds of interesting play, uh, places. And, and the movie that you just talked about with uh, Robin Williams is, is a great uh, version of that. Right? But I, I also found it in, in physical locations. So you find places in, in cities that are called Cabidium. You find restaurants that are named Cabidium. You find movies that use it, right? It's a great reminder to, to really yeah, do something with your life. Yeah? Make it extraordinary. Seize the day, really. It's, it's a gift. So, so do something with it. 
Um, uh, honestly, I have a hard time uh, connecting it to the topic. It, it's just something that that's part of my life and, and it shows up again and again. And a good example is my children, for instance, when they come across it, if they see a sign somewhere, they send me uh, photos of it. And it's again, it's following me for, for many, many years. And it's a great reminder to make life extraordinary. Absolutely. Every day counts. Carpe diem. I think we should all have that posted on the wall somewhere. The future is now. Correct, Bernard? The future is. is here. It's right right here. At the end of every sentence, it's the next future. Noel Billingsley has sent a quote from Andy Grammer, who, a young man, I call him a young man, Noel. He was born in 1983. He's a kid as far as I'm concerned. American singer, songwriter, <laughs> you're laughing, record producer, signed to S-Curve Records, whatever that is. <laughs> Uh, his debut album spawned a single called Keep Your Head Up in 2011. And here's the line. You have to explain this to us, Noel. The glow that the sun gets right around sunset helps me realize that this is just a journey. Drop your worries. You are going to turn out fine. Ooh, Noel, this is like a new uh, new mantra we could adopt. Talk to us. How did you find this? Go ahead. This is, uh, this is actually a song that... Um you know, I think um, is starting to wear out my my Alexa at home with my kids. Um, it, 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 it's a great song. If you've ever listened to it, it's got aside from a great, you know, great message. It's it's all about, you know, what what are things today and how gloomy they may be? But what is how bright the future may become? And there's been you know, hundreds of iterations of, of, of that concept over time in, in, in song and in, in, in writing and books and movies and so on. But it's something that I, you know, I have this conversation personally with, with my children all the time, especially in this, you know, this COVID world that we're all living in. Um, you know, I look at it, however, from a little bit different perspective with business as well, you know, because we look at all these terrible things that happen in business, whether it's the economy, how COVID's impacting, supply chain shortages, gas prices, so on and so forth. Um, but it's all a journey to get somewhere. And when I think about what we do at, you know, Palteri, for instance, um, or from a data perspective, you know, we're th this journey of, of, of building graph technology and building, you know, AI and the next step and evolution of what that all looks like is another journey into something that's going to be greater than what it is today. Um, so that's how I kind of relate this quote back to that, back to what we do here at, uh, at, at Internet uh, of Things and so on. Thank you very much, Noel. Appreciate that. I'm going to have to listen. My Alexa does not know that song yet, so I'm going to have to ask her for it, okay? She's tired of my other songs. This time, Alexa's saying to me, could you ask me for some new music? So we'll do that. And I saw Andy Grammer on a TV show recently, and I lit up and said, oh, one of my guests selected an Andy Grammer song for the radio show this week. So mm -hmm. there was this moment of recognition. Thank you very much for that. Falk Reeker has selected a quote from Jordan Belfort, uh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, the movie The Wolf of Wall Street 2013. It's called an American black comedy crime film directed by Martin Scorsese and based on the 2007 memoir by Belfort. Belfort had a career as a stockbroker in New York City and his firm Stratton Oakmont engaged in rampant corruption, corruption and fraud on Wall Street, which led to his downfall and eventual imprisonment. That's what the movie is about. Here's the quote, and I think it's he's quoting somebody who said it years before, but we're going with it as a Jordan Belfort account. Here it says, hard work beats talent every time. Falk, interesting quote. What does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. <laughs> let me let me first uh, first say, you know, you can tell as a bingo, I like the movie. 
<laughs> and uh, if we if we uh, if if we would have uh, had better data insight uh, at that time, probably the story of Jordan Belfort would have never happened. Yeah. Um, so uh, when you look at uh, when you look at the quote, uh, I, I really believe you know when when it comes to data, uh, a first look is not good enough. Yeah, you need to look at data multiple times, and you always find something new in the data. Uh, technology helps you, but technology alone is not good enough. You need you need to, to do the hard work and have the talent. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. All good quotes. I thank all of you. Now it's the time of the show, and my guests have sent me four discussion statements each, and some of you sent me a veritable novel. I appreciate that, Bernard. Lots of good information. I'm going to select a statement from each of you first up. We'll have one from Bernard, and I'm going to read it, Bernard, your statement number one, and let's make it very thought leadership applying to companies all over the world. And then I will invite Noel to agree or disagree. Noel, uh, Bernard said he's in a really good mood today. You can disagree with him if you want. It's okay. And then Falk, you can agree <laughs> or disagree with either or both of them. You've got your work cut out for you. Then I'll go back to you, Bernard, for some comments back to them if they said anything provocative or controversial, which we hope they will because that keeps us interested. And then Noel, I'll pick a statement from your list and put it in the chat for you. We'll go around the table and then one from Falk. Let's see what we cover. So Bernard Ritz sent me the following. This is a great iconic statement here, Bernard. You say, everything in your life is a network, including your knowledge. Thinking in networks is natural for the human brain. Our knowledge is a network of concepts we've built over time. In our head, it's all connected. Okay, let's go and relate this to business networks, please. Well, I think it's very difficult to be controversial because it's so natural to us. Uh, think about it. How do we as human things? Everything, as you just said, is connected. Everything is a we think in concepts. So we as humans see concepts. Uh, we see companies and we see people, we see places, everything is, is in concept and we connect these concepts. As you said before in, in the show, it's about context, how uh, are things uh, uh, related to each other. And uh, the idea of business network insights, take this concept and uh, do it in a digital world. So if you, if you describe a person, you would describe him as, well, I know him from the golf club. He's a colleague of Noah and so on. These are all concepts that we connect to each other. So we, we do it naturally every single day, every moment. Now we can transfer this to the digital world and have instead of strings, things. I think that was one of the big shifts of the graphs and knowledge graph technology. Google said this 10 years ago, right? We don't feeding raw data and strings and texts and so on. Think about if we understand concepts, if we can connect them, if we can describe them in a common language. That's not a requirement, right? Do we have an ontology, a natural language that describes these things? Yeah, so we take what, what's natural to us and do it in the digital world. And this gives it a whole new power. Having this understanding of these, these concepts, how they are connected, yeah, suddenly happens in the digital world on, on a huge amount of data. So going from big data, from raw data, refine it into networks, into concepts and how things are connected, give it context, describe it in a language that we all know makes it powerful. And there's, there's tons of examples. As I said, the way you describe people, uh, the way you, you interact with each other, the way you perceive the world. Um, it's, it's natural to us and we think in concept and doing this in a digital world to identify new opportunities and mitigate risks is that's the idea. That's the core of what Paltry delivers. Insights 
in a natural way, the way we also do it as humans on a digital platform. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table and get some agree or disagree. Noel Billingsley, you're up. Go ahead. Well, sure. I, I do agree with, with that. Um, you know, and to make it a little bit bigger in scope, when we think about this, you know, life as a network and, and, and including how we think about and process knowledge, you know, we even, everybody in the business world for eons has always been focused on the things that are in front of them. You know, how do we see and, and read and react to the data that we have in front of us, the business, the sales cycle in front of us, but it's only within the context of a network where you start to be able to expand, whether it's in an opportunity perspective perspective or from a risk perspective um, to give you that contextual understanding a little bit farther than what you have in the past. Um, and I think, you know, that's where we're going to see real leaders emerge in, in all enterprise when they can start thinking in that in that direction. Um, we've seen it uh, start to crop up over the last few years, like like Bernhard said, Google started introducing this concept at what, 10 years ago, um, you know, and now it's to the point where, where, where the technology, the data, um, the thought process is, sort of, is, is really evolving to take advantage of what we're looking at today. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. And I'm going to make some comments when we go around the table. Falk Rieker at SAP, love to get your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really hard to argue. Uh, business networks and networks in general are, are everywhere in our, in our daily life. Uh, with the digitalization, you know, uh, the connections uh, we have all around the world have uh, reached new levels. Uh, but I would say, you know, it, it's not just about the network and uh, the connections. It's about the quality of the network as well. So the quality of relationships you have and also how you do the interpretation of the connections you have. So you can have uh, connections with someone that uh, are based on certain incidences uh, and uh, they might not be meaningful. So uh, it's always uh, good to take a second look what this relationship is, uh, is and not just trust simply the machine at the end of the day. Thank you. Very interesting. Bernard, anything you want to say back to them? Well, I want to bring it back to the, to the title of the, of the show, right? Yes. It's, it's a competitive differentiator. I think yes. this is how we should look at it and say, imagine your competitor has a deeper insight into business partners like customers and suppliers than you have. They have a leading edge, you know, this, they have this understanding of how, the, how they are connected, they can better engage with them, you know, better service them. And that this is what makes the difference. It's a new contextual insight and having that insight makes a difference. You have more relevant services that you are providing and so on. So it's like there's a new wave of insights, we call them business network insights, coming your way. So what does it mean if you have them as a competitive advantage or if you don't have them and your competitors have access to them? Thank you very much. And what this reminds me of is when we we saw a, an evolution or a revolution with social media, gentlemen, a few years ago, where people said, stop selling and start making relationships. Well, what is a relationship based on? A commonality, a connection? Oh, you're a Brewers fan. Oh, you love kombucha. Oh, uh, you, you have a, a Labradoodle. Your kids have a Labradoodle. I've got one to find the connection, right, Bernard? Yep. Find the connection and make a relationship with the person based on something. And Bernard, in your notes here, you had two examples. You say an example from the analog world, dinner conversation. Oh, didn't he work for XYZ company? Or 
isn't she sitting on the board of ABC Widget Company? So it's this this connectivity. And I'll tell you a funny way this works for me is when I'm, I watch a lot of British uh, spy shows and uh, TV. I, I binge on them. Uh, I watch Leverage and Hustle and all kinds of interesting shows. And when I see an actor on the screen who looks familiar, I instantly find out who they are. I Google them to see where I saw them where else. So I want the connection of where they got into my brain and what show they were in and what do I remember about that show. And it keeps it more interesting for me. It's just a quirky thing. You don't want to watch TV with me, trust me. It's constantly, oh, stop the show. I got to see where Bob Smith was. Yeah, oh, he was on these five. Yes, I remember. I'm always looking for the You're connection. Describing you always describe networks, yeah. The problem is once you have this mindset, you never stop. You see people building networks and describing networks all the time. Scary. Absolutely. Well, it's 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 who we are, and that's what you said. That's how the brain yeah. works. We want some familiarity, want connections. Thank you very much. Noel, let's go to your statement number two. Let's go to that wonderful word I'm enjoying today, context. You say, imagine if contextual insights of existing clients Build your sales pipeline, network graphs applied to businesses, provide the contextual understanding of your existing customer base. Let's stop there and you expand this for us. Unpack, Noel, please. Sure. Um, well, what, what's unique about that is it works based off of your existing clients. So if, if you can imagine, you have every, every business has customers, they have suppliers, they have this ecosystem that's around them. And how do you leverage this for, for the most bang for your buck, so to say? And if you can gather additional contextual insights about the people you already do business with, first of all, we know that it's you know easier and, and, and more cost-effective to, to keep a customer than to acquire a new customer. That's been around for you know a hundred years. Um, you know, but if you're able to have a better understanding of who these people are that you do business with on a daily basis, then you're able to leverage that to find out who else they do business with. And who are those people that are good potential prospects for your sales teams or potential hazards for your sales teams that you wanna stay away uh, stay away from simultaneously. Um, having this, this understanding of their business ecosystem does a couple things. It helps you have a better understanding of your customer. That means you can cross sell them, you can upsell them, you can have better relationships so they stay around longer, potentially buy new products and services from you and so on. Have better relationships, whether it's just simply asking a question with your chatbots, uh, so on and so forth, um, or expanding from a referral-based sales uh, system. A lot of financial advisor shops and uh, insurance companies and, and banks use that relationship management thought process naturally. And the power of those relationship managers at financial services companies was really in their Rolodex. If you can imagine the old way where you had a huge Rolodex with a bunch of index cards and they say, okay, they pull that index card and say, okay, yep. here's John Smith. We know a lot about John Smith. He's yes. a great client, but who, who else does John Smith know? And now with the power that systems like this can provide, you can get better insights to have those conversations to open up new doors that you wouldn't necessarily have, all while keeping your customer targets and your segment in clear focus. Interesting. Noel, I'm, two things come to mind before. Falk, I'm going to bring you in a second. Two things. There's a song from Sesame Street that's running around my head. Who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, right? 
You're who, absolutely who is, right. Right. And and if you think about it, the neighborhood is is the, the context of the people you're doing business with, the people you want to do business with. The other thing is back in the day when admins were called secretaries, I'm not saying which gender they were, but we know who mostly were. And they would say, if you want to get to an executive, find out the name of his or her secretary, the gatekeeper, the doorkeeper, and find out that person's birthday and what their family does and who their pets are and what kind of teams and make friends with that person to get past them to get on the phone with the executive. So that was another way, right, of context, who's working, with whom, for whom, and who's the one who stops you at the door and says, no, Mr. Jones is busy. You can't see him. Make sure she knows who you are. So networks, this is very interesting. Falk, I'm sorry to take your time. Go ahead. You are up. What do you think? Uh, it, it couldn't be more right. Uh, so people buy from people they trust and, and they know, and they buy based on references. So if someone tells me he had a good experience with this in this company, I'm more intrigued, obviously, to do business with them. So this 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 factor of references of of knowing someone is a competitive advantage in comparison to other brands you don't know. Yeah, and uh, and and that is still a very decisive factor in making your decisions. Yeah, and uh, it's it's not only in financial services. It's in all area of your daily life. If you go uh, doing grocery shopping, if you go to a restaurant if, in the evening, if you go to a, a specific show, you always depend on some assessment or uh, critic uh, you have read so that you have information about that specific event. Yeah? And uh, so therefore, uh, having this information in a network and have, sharing this information in a network builds the basis for your decisions. Thank you very much. Let's go to Bernard. You're wrapping this part up because yeah. Noel started. Go ahead, Bernard. There's one more aspect to it that we have touched indirectly, and that's timing. So these, these insights, if, if you apply them very timely, it makes sense. The example that you said, well, if you know the birthday of the secretary, well, if her birthday is in March and you talk about it in November, it's not as exciting than if you talk about it in March. Right? <laughs> so the question is, how do you... If you have these insights, that's great. How do you consume? How do you get them? And a very powerful tool is just notifications and stuff happens very timely. Somebody gets a new job, a company acquires another company, uh, it's somebody's birthday, um, somebody got uh, a pro um, an award, whatever it is, right? So the, the aspect of timing is also very uh, relevant. Thank you very much. It absolutely is. And the timing becomes the relevance, doesn't it? As you said, uh, I know that there's this past Sunday night, two days ago, there was one last time the concert with Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. And I found out that they recorded it in August and they're just now airing it. But it was done in honor of Tony Bennett's birthday. So my question is, when I watch it, I, I record it on my DVR. Am I seeing in November Tony Bennett's 95th birthday or was it really in August and we're watching a redux? Interesting, but I care about that relevance. I care about that context. Are we, we celebrating it now? Is that why they delayed the broadcast? Or did they not? Anyway, you, you get where I'm going. Timing is everything. Noel, this was your topic. Anything you want to say before we move on? Well, I, I think uh, Falk had, had, had really hit the nail on the head where, where he brought up the, the concept of trust in all of this. And I think that's one thing that as a consumer of business intelligence like this, um, you be, need to be able to still 
create and build trust with whom you do business with or be able to identify those who you don't want to do, you know, who you can't trust, put it to you that way. And that also goes back to in my opening, talking about the hidden connections of people dealing with fraudulent companies or mitigating risk. That's the risk is do whom the old Johnny Carson show, it was a, a uh, was a game show and it was called, Who Do You Trust? And people rose up in objection because it wasn't correct English and they changed it to Whom Do You Trust? Very awkward title for a game show. Thank you very much. All good points everybody's making. Falkreaker, I'm looking at your statement number two. I like this one. Let's go here. You say the digital economy is changing the way we do business and the traditional definition of industries as sector borders dissolve. New interconnected business ecosystems and networks emerge. They require companies to develop partnerships and innovate their value chains. Falk, I'm going to leave it there and ask you to unpack it. This is interesting. Falk, go ahead. Yeah, you know, the, the world is changing. And, uh, you know, you cannot say that the financial service, for example, to give uh, uh, is only offered by banks. Financial service is offered by all sorts of companies. And uh, same with, with other goods uh, you have in the industries. We are going more and more to digital platforms. We have companies that uh, do a lot of different things uh, under their um, mandate. And uh, that changes the player in the industries. So the traditional supply chains you had change dramatically with the new players coming in. So you have to make up your mind how you compete in this new environment. And you need to build new partnerships. And these new partnerships, yeah, you need to know and understand your partners, if it is supplier or buyer. And uh, new technologies, innovative technologies like the intelligent uh, business graphs can make a really big difference to validate options for you and to prioritize partnerships as well. You still have to make the final decision yeah, based probably not only on data, but uh, additional criteria. But the, the information you get from the business network inside is definitely a big portion of your later decisions to make the right partnerships because they mitigate risk on the one side. And ultimately, this will lead uh, to, to better business on your bottom line as well. Thank you very much. Before we, we move on, I want to get comments next from Bernard and Noel about what Falk shared. But my question to, to you, Falk, we're talking about graphs. I see something when I see a graph. I'm seeing connections. I'm seeing yep. lines. We, we've talked about the brain, human brain. Uh, Bernard wants to know connections, and we've established that. We, we live that. That's who we are. But we also are a very visual species, right? We want to see, we want to believe. Seeing is believing is the old phrase. So a knowledge graph says to me, I'm able to look at something and say, aha, right? I see the connections. Falk, am I right on that one? Absolutely. I think the visualization and the tools we have now uh, make data such more meaningful and easier to understand. You know, you had a lot of the data you had in the past. And as you said, you know, we had business networks 40 years ago, 100 years ago. You always try to find out something about your business partner so that you're well informed. Yeah? But the possibilities we have now with all the information available uh, publicly uh, in social media networks in all types of media in uh, combining that with, uh, with uh, graphical support makes it so much easier to understand the data. And I think that's why the use of it is so much easier and will increase over time. 
Thank you very much. I like it when guests agree with me. Thank you, Falk. <laughs> Let's go around the table. Bernard comments on what Falk just shared. Go ahead, Bernard. I think the example that Falk brought up, right, building partnerships, uh, uh, new ways of designing supply chains that the lines of industries are blurring. These are great examples where business network insights can be can be applied. And with that, the world is getting more and more complex. If you can visualize this easily and, and have an understanding of these uh, supply chains uh, and uh, visualization support that, I think that's great. Again, it, it comes back to these new supply chains. Uh, do they provide new opportunities? Is there risk that we can mitigate? So partnerships, uh, industry lines are blurring, players playing different roles in the environment yeah, and having a contextual understanding what that means. Perfect example for Business Network Insights. Thank you very much. Noel, talk to us. Bullshit. They're both right. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I'm trying to figure out something to disagree with here, but uh, it's a little bit difficult with these two. But um, absolutely correct in that the digital economy is changing. Everything, we'll use financial services uh, just because of the, the three people, uh, four people in the room here. Um, how does a small bank compete with a fintech that just entered the U.S. marketplace? You know, when, when you talk about scale, when you talk about customers, you're, you know, the whole big question is, is how do you acquire new customers? Um, if you're talking about, you know, the, 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 the fintechs, we just saw an example this week where a, a German fintech that's been doing great in the EU is pulled out of the U.S. marketplace, um, you know, because they weren't able to get a good understanding of how to enter this market, how, how to attract new customers and what kind of customers they're going to attract and so on and so forth. And why is that? Maybe they didn't have a clear picture. Maybe they didn't have that crystal ball or the contextual insights to help them along the way when they were entering in the, into that marketplace. Moreover, from the supply chain perspective or from you know a globalized economy perspective, you know we're buying things all over the world all the time. Whether it's you know your your, your Cyber Monday you know sales from yesterday or or uh, whether or not you're making a huge investment in your business and purchasing equipment you know from multiple suppliers. The good question is is you know, how do we know? How do we know that these are the right people to do business with and, and, and so on and so forth? And it gets more and more complex, the more countries open up and the more places that we try to acquire goods and services from or provide goods and services to. Um, and that's where the, these little pieces of tidbits of knowledge when used properly, easily understood, um, you know, and uh, will provide the added business value that everybody needs to succeed. It's hard to do business in today's globalized economy. Nobody's going to argue with that fact. The question is, is how can you use tools properly to enhance your capabilities. Well put. Falk, this was your topic. Anything you want to say back? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I would add, you know, and even if you just get an alert from such an analysis on a business partner and that alert turns out to be totally wrong, yeah, it was worth looking at it because you never know, yeah, uh, if, if you're right. Yeah. So as I said earlier, it always helps to take a second look. Thank you. And let, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, Bernard, I sent you, I want to go to talk about AI in a second, but before we go there, 
very often on these shows, we talk about you need to do this, you need to do that, but we don't identify who the you is. Are we talking about the entire C-suite benefiting from visual business knowledge graphs? Are we talking about just the CIO or just the CMO? Is it one part, is it a different graph for each part of the company? Or do you put up this massive graph and you say, okay, everybody sitting in a chair around the table in the C-suite has a purpose for looking at and can help the company become more competitive if you all embrace the concept of a business knowledge graph and look at it and understand where your role fits in. So let's go around the table quickly and get a yes or no. Whose job is it anyway? That's my question. I should start a radio show called Whose Job Is It Anyway? There's probably a TV show about that. Bernard, what do you think? Who should be paying attention to this? The, the, the difficulty and the excitement about this topic is its broad applicability. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, we as humans, as I said, think this way in all of our different roles, and this is the same broad applicability where we can apply this concept. What we see is, and I'll talk a little bit pulterized, is we take the entire market graph, and you said, is it the entire graph or partial? We take the entire market graph and we put in customer-specific information to make it their graph. That's the trick, right? Depending on which role you have, different type of information is relevant. So you enrich it with the right context. Are you interested in sales-related information, in risk-related information? Is, is this a VIP customer? Is this a non-desirable customer? You know, it depends how you enrich the graph and we provide the foundational graph with relevant information that you bring to the table as a customer. Thank you. Interesting. Noel, comments on whose job is it? Well, I think everybody has has the opportunity to improve their business, whether it's from finding new opportunities or reducing risk. And like Bernhard, uh, Bernhard had said, it's really relevant to those that have specific, specific roles and functions in, you know, in that context. Um, boy, that, that, that's a tough thing. I think the nice thing about it is solutions like this are now easy to consume. Okay. They used to be, it used to be more difficult. It was very data driven and you had to have that, that data hat on and able to be able to interpret what these, the, these insights are providing. Today's graphs are a lot more user-friendly, which means a lot more people, whether you're a data expert or not, can look at something like this, search, find insights, and be able to use those insights very fast to make critical business decisions. Thank you. Falk, your comments, your thoughts on whose job is it? Yeah, I believe that the technology can be applied literally to every single role in a company. It's just about different networks yeah, and different purposes uh, mm -hmm. of, of the data. Think about HR. You know, HR wants to understand the skills of their employees and uh, the roles they already had and the places they have been and uh, the, the different employers they have been in the past. So that's a type of network you, you want to be aware of. Then when you when you're on sales, yeah, obviously you have uh, you need to know your customers. If you are in business development, you know you have your partner network, and and and. So I think everyone needs to have that kind of. If you're on IT, you want to have your supplier network, yeah, uh, around uh, the best in class technology. So every role has a different type of network they need to take care of uh, to stay ahead of the competition. Thank you. Very well put. I want to thank you all for indulging my question. I thought it was important for, for our listeners to know that this can apply to any role in any company. Good. Let's go to two little letters that 
everybody wants to know about AI. I'm looking at your statement number two, Bernard, and you say knowledge graphs bring contextual understanding, which we already talked about, to AI, which makes it stronger. You say graphs transform strings into things, and we're talking today on Internet of Things, okay? So AI can use data that is already connected together with all of its context and meaningful storylines. As a result, AI can make much more useful decisions. Let's rear the the uh, not ugly head of AI and algorithms. How does this all work with the graphs of the AI? Talk to us, Bernard. Well, I think we touched on many levels about this topic indirectly, right? Because yes. it, it it depends what you feed the AI algorithm. What do you put into the neural network? Is it just raw data? Is it strings? Is it yeah, data? Or do you bring context? Imagine we can feed context a much better understanding to the AI. And I see AI applied on two different levels. A, it helps us to, to build the graph, to build the knowledge graph, right? So we talk about these things, where AI can help us to identify things. Is this a company? Is this a person? Is this a cat? Is it a dog? Yeah. Um, how are they connected? And then even another example is, is it the same person or is it the same company? As you said, you, you describe somebody and say, well, I know him from high school. I know him from here. I did business with this person. Da, da, da. The question is, is it the same person that I'm talking about when I describe it? And this is what brings the graph together. So you have multiple entities and we learn, oops, it's the same entity. And the context that you have plus the context that I have about this entity suddenly makes it even, even broader and richer. Again, it comes down to we feed context, contextual understanding into the, the AI algorithms and they have a much stronger foundation to provide insights instead of feeding it with raw data. So if I tell the, the algorithm, well, it's a person, it's a company, uh, um, a person went to this university, is involved in this charity, does business with this, sits on the board of that company, yeah, having a real contextual understanding, not just raw data, um, yeah, is, is a big difference for AI. Very, very interesting. And you mentioned, is it a dog or a cat? And I wanted to do a shout out to Timmy at Palteri. Timmy is an adorable little black fluffy little dog. We don't know the, uh, this, the, the genre of dog, shall I say, but Timmy is the feel good manager at Palteri. And I don't think I've ever seen a company website that has a dog as an officer of the company. So I want to say thank you to Palteri for the smiles and please give Timmy my best regards. I hope he has a happy holiday season. Very important member of the team. I can tell. Well, feel good is all all about, right? Didn't uh, Tony Shea, who passed away last year, didn't he used to say has a happy happiness director, has somebody in charge of happiness? Uh, yes. So we, we want so feel good is just as good. So let's go around the table from what Bernard just said. AI. Noel Billingsley, briefly, what do you think? I think that the the importance is, you know is got to be placed on developing the right algorithms for the right uh, right reasons. Um, you know, why are we using the friend of a friend thought process? Why are we using the same as thought process? And how does that enhance and enrich what we're trying to get at? Um, I think, you know, that's that's from my, my point when we make the transition from data as just data to bringing it into the into that business graph or that graph and then eventually into into the, the full spectrum of what it can be. It's really digging deep and, and kind of pulling back the layers of the onion from a from, from an insight pers perspective of how do we develop these things uh, in in 
in a way that gets the most out of it or and is flexible for us to expand as new things are brought to the table and we learn and involve how we approach these these models. Thank you. Falk Rieker, what do you think? Uh, for, for me, AI is really the basis uh, to bring the network technology uh, to the or business network insights to the next level. Yeah, um, you know when when you think about the past and uh, the tools we had available in the past, that only brought us that far in terms of how many data we could like take a look at, uh, how how much insight we would actually get from the data, and in which time frame we could uh, get to these results. Now with AI, we can speed up the process. We can considerably take more information to the table. We can simulate different scenarios and different assumptions. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's it's a whole different level. It's it's a it's a different quality and it's time to information and time matters. Yeah. Thank you. Time does matter. Yes. Yeah, sometimes we think we have too much of it and sometimes we think it's fleeting and we don't. Right? Carpe diem. Right, Bernard? Carpe diem. Seize the day, boys. Make it extraordinary. Kids, I'm going to say kids instead of boys. Uh, I'm not coming back to you on this one, Bernard, because I want to move on to one more topic. I think we can squeeze this in. We've just got about six minutes left. And I'm looking at something from Noel, and we're going to talk about something that's uh, scary to a lot of people. It's regulatory compliance. Noel says, the future a regulatory compliance is a function of data and technology. The evolution of technical capabilities and the availability of new information and data will define future regulations. Here's what we're going to talk about. The interconnectivity of things, which is what graph technology is about, will be embedded in the fabric of tomorrow's regulations. This is interesting. Noel, just really briefly, what do you see? Uh, well, I, I see kind of the history and the evolution of of where regulations are across uh, across many different domains. And one of the things they've never really been able to catch up with is how technologies implemented, um, how technology implemented properly can really get a jump on regulating things properly. Um, you know, I use a, a very common example in the US, which is the uh, marijuana industry. Um, if you take a look at that industry specifically from a financial services perspective, you have states that have all these, these um, different types of marijuana businesses that are allowed or not allowed. Then at the federal level, they say, no, 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 it's totally illegal. It's still a schedule one drug, so on and so forth. And then anytime you have money movement within the financial services sector, and technically it could be a anti-money laundering or, or, or AML violation or BSA violation and so on. Um, one of the biggest issues when you talk then from a global basis where you have have different jurisdictions, say in Canada and the United States, and money flows between the two, either on the capital markets or from private equity or so on and so forth, can trigger a, a, a violation. Now, how do financial services companies, how do the regulators, you know, and everybody else involved able to detect and monitor properly, you know, these types of these types of violations? Do they really know who the marijuana businesses are and who the people behind those marijuana businesses are? And what's really the impact here? Um, you know, when I think back to, you know, using grab technology or using, you know, the existing regulations, one of the things when talking with bankers that, that we see is that, or I should say the regulators for the, for the bankers is if it's not in the books, they're not really chasing down the banks in order to, to, to figure this out, why they don't have the capabilities to do it. Um, they don't have the technical, you know, the technical uh, piece is, is not in place, whether you're talking about making SBA loans to marijuana businesses, um, you know, from the PPP loans, you know, there was a whole slew of businesses that slipped through the cracks somehow. Um, why? Because the 
the the technology was not in place to capture what the regulations intent was and that's kind of where i see the future is, is if they combine those thought processes into their regulation they're going to have better outcomes and make life a little bit easier for all the fight everybody else involved i think we have a new topic for a future show in 2022 noel it'll be the regulation of the marijuana industry and business knowledge graphs <laughs> and you're going to be my lead speaker i we okay. have we have three and a half minutes off to talk to Dana. Shout out, by the way, to Ira Burke, who's been sponsoring the series for eight years, and Dana Corder, who's been our showrunner for several years. Thank you to both of you. Let's just do a quick comment about the role of knowledge graphs, business graphs in regulations. Uh, Falk, just a quick comment from you, just one minute, then one from Bernard, and we're going to wrap. Go ahead, Falk. Yeah, yeah, a scary thought that uh, regulation even becomes more complex, yeah, uh, and, and uh, companies have to report on more things. But uh, I believe uh, the trend will go there because uh, we are uh, having more and more these complex uh, holding structures and company structures. And the only way to, to understand what's going on between different companies is really uh, having this kind of business network insight uh, technology to understand who's doing business with whom. And, uh, you know, uh, if you do it right, it, it can uh, protect you from a lot of fraudulent activities. Yes, Wishing and hoping and dreaming and praying. Yes, thank you very much. And having the knowledge to avoid those. Bernard, wrap it up, please. I can give you exactly one minute. You're up. Um, I think we are just scratching the surface with this whole topic, with business network insights. Right? The early adapters are jumping on board. We see analysts, the gardeners, we see system integrators, big companies talking about it, get a deeper understanding how we can really apply them to gain opportunities and, and risks. And I'm pretty sure over the next couple of years, we will see a huge growth in, in, in that segment. And it's a new mindset. People need to understand it, get into this yeah, mindset, and then really uh, take advantage of it as a competitive differentiator. Thank you. And I'm, I'm wondering if you go back to the cave person, I didn't say caveman, the cave person drawings in the caves, I wonder if they were doing knowledge graphs of what they saw. Think think about that. Wouldn't that be interesting to research that? I don't have time. You could I, all do that. I would what say they were contextual insights. I think so too. I really, really do. Yes. Who said what to whom and why and when and where and who do they know and how do they know them? And what can that, hey, bottom line is what can it do for me and my business? Isn't that really what it is? Whom do you know? Whom do you trust? Right? Look at any mysteries. Look at any, who do you call? The people you think you can trust. Look at the movies. Look at the TV shows. Anyway, I watch way too much fiction. I want to thank the three of you. It has been a pleasure. Bernard, so good to speak with you again. Thank good you for all you your again. work. Thank you. Putting together great information. Noel, same thing. I appreciate all the work you two put into your statements. Falk Reeker, so happy to have you here from SAP. Really appreciate your joining us today. And thank you also for your work. And I love the quotes you all picked. I appreciate that very much. Uh, I'm going to quote Jack Nicholson's character in The Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth, right? Maybe the truth of what Business Net Network Graph shows you is what people can't handle and we need to. There you go. Shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America World Talk Radio. He started with me three years ago. He was 26 and he just celebrated his 63rd birthday. 
I work them really hard. I want to wish happy, hope everybody had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Uh, people like me are celebrating. We started the Festival of Lights two days ago, wishing everybody a start to the holiday season. Let's hope for a much better year next year. We're still, we're hoping for better and we're, we're hoping and hoping for better. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is still getting two months to the gallon. Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Bernard Ritz, just like Noel Billingsley, just like Falk Reeker. Bonnie D signing off. Everybody wave goodbye. Don't go away, panelists. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Oh.